What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 243 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening, and I am joined, as often, by the world's most famous Indianapolis Colts fan, Scott <laughs> Coleman. Hello, sir. Hey, Brad. Good to be on. It's been a couple weeks. A uh, lot to talk about. It's pretty crazy that we have reached the final week of the regular season. I don't know about you, but it feels like just yesterday the Braves were in New York, but facing Jacob deGrom on opening day and the fact that we're here, we everyone kind of knew with this shortened 60-game season it was going to go by quick, but um, really pretty amazing that in, in a week's time we will be done with the regular season and hopefully the Braves are able to finish up on a strong note. Yeah, it is truly bizarre. It did fly by uh, in a good way, I think. Just the fact that you kind of get lost in the, baseball, in the baseball season, and that's that's better than where we were a few months ago in the non-sporting landscape that we had. So yeah, it's uh, a bit bizarre, bizarre, but I would say that's definitely the top-line thought of this podcast, is that one week to go, um, the Braves are in a great position, which we'll come back to later on in the podcast. But yeah, just we're almost there. The playoffs are coming. In fact, um, before I delve into a rant about my Atlanta Falcons uh, on a day in which your Indianapolis Colts won comfortably. Um, I was going to say, why? What happened? Let's avoid that uh, at all costs. <laughs> sorry. So, sorry, Falcons fans. I'm, I'm one of you. I'm very I'm one sorry. of you, Falcons fans. Yes. Um, at any rate, uh, there was news earlier this week about the playoffs and the format. We will not do a full-blown deep dive here, but essentially the bubble concept that had been banging around for quite some time is now official. There'll be a best of three, of course. The, the, the format itself is not changing. It's still it's still the expanded playoffs. Best of three in the first round, and then five, and then seven. Um, the best of three is still in home parks, so the Braves, um, as long as everything goes according to plan and the percentages, will host a best of three, all three games, starting on September 30th in their home park. From there, the National League will all move in terms of the uh, the final teams to for the final for the final I guess three series the the DS and the CS to Texas the American League to go to California uh, but the big change other than that's just like that was always going to happen it felt like the last few months the big thing is there's no days off during the rounds prior to the World Series there is standard off days in the World Series but a lot of questions about this and we'll save a little bit of this stuff for our playoff preview but the ro- the rotation being a question the Braves have had all season long. Now, you know, you can see both sides of this, but on one hand, the Braves don't have four or five starters to go to in the way the other teams do, at least the ones that they trust. On the other side, you could argue that a good, deep bullpen might be more worthwhile in this setting, and the Braves do have that. So, uh, I don't know, what was your broad reaction to how this affects the Braves is, I guess, the best place to dive into this? Yeah, first of all, I cannot believe that baseball announced this with like Ugh. not not even two weeks before the season ended um, and they didn't tell the teams for the deadline that was the craziest thing like aaron boone yeah. let the cat out of the bag but like gm's not being on a plan for this is insane i mean we all i understand it's covid everyone's flying by the seat of their parents i totally understand that to a degree but man like what are we doing here this is the same season in which they announced the playoff format after the season started it's just they're all making it up yeah, I mean, and again, as you said, this is not your normal year by any means. I get it, but come on. I mean, give me a break here. That That is absolutely absurd. Maybe the three-game wildcard thing I get a little bit because the, the visiting teams will be in, in hotels. They won't be in a bubble scenario because they'll be in the, uh, you know, the home parks for the higher seeds. But uh, just an absurd decision to make that call this late in the year. As you said, teams did not know about this. Um, and, and I think for the Braves, it, it'll be interesting, of course, 
teams with good bullpens are generally better off in the playoffs because, as we know, usually even if you go five innings out of your starting pitcher and then hand it to a bullpen, assuming you have a good one, uh, that's generally the, the game plan for teams who are able to utilize their relievers. Um, but when you're playing every single day, I don't know. Can Do the Braves feel like they can realistically give the ball to Shane Green three days in a row? Can they give the ball to Mark Melanson three days in a row? Um, I don't know the answer to that. Who knows if the game scenario will present that option. Uh, but at the same time, for a team that is not exactly rich in starting pitching, Max Fried looked better. Uh, Ian Anderson's been good. Cole Hamels, we'll see. Kyle Wright. Um, and we'll dig into this here in a little bit. But um, for a team that is not exactly flush with starting pitching depth and talent at the moment, it is a concern. But I guess if, if the if the counter argument is every team has to play by the same rules, um, there are very few teams in the National League right now that are just overwhelmed with starting pitching. Right. My, my overall thought is that this is not good for the Braves. It may not be as bad as I would have thought at first blush. Um, just because of the bullpen depth and the way that the Braves have an advantage there over a lot of teams on paper. But yeah, the, the three days in a row thing is uh, something to circle. The Braves have some older relievers, particularly Melanson. They've seemingly not wanting to go to him uh, several days in a row, which is totally understandable. Um, but we'll see how that all shakes out. We'll, we'll spend some more time on that next week when we know who the playoff opponent is, etc. Also, Rob Manfred, friend of this podcast. We love Rob Manfred on this show. Love the uh, he made a comment um, about keeping the expanded playoffs beyond this year and how it has huge ownership favor at this point in time. I will just say this. I absolutely disdain that idea. We said that uh, on the podcast when they announced this year. I'm okay with it for this year. We'll save the argument when it's actually happening. Hopefully it's not going to happen. The players apparently don't love this as much as the owners do, according to reporting. But that was the other big news about this is that that might be holding on. I really hate that, Scott. I'll be honest with you. I just, I can't, I cannot wrap my mind around expanded playoff. This year, I do understand it because of, it's just such a weird season, but yeah. please no, please no. It's funny at first, when I, when I first saw that, I was like, ah, whatever, you know, more playoffs are fine. If, if you generally believe better teams are going to win and, and I know baseball is a weird sport, but really I think the expanded playoffs this year was to ensure that if a good team, a team that is genuinely good on paper, had yep. a bad two weeks, they wouldn't be left out. It's funny. Sure enough, you look around all of baseball, and other than maybe one or two exceptions, I think if uh, two months ago, if you would have had to pick eight playoff teams in both leagues, you, most people would have probably picked, I don't know, 13 or so of the teams that are going to make it. There's been a couple of surprises, but again, in a shortened year, it's weird. I think the expanded playoffs makes sense this year if the Dodgers had a bad start and they yeah. would have missed the playoffs otherwise. They're clearly on paper, and not just the Dodgers. Any team, Tampa Bay, uh, the Oakland, Braves. I mean, right, the Braves, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I'm with you completely. I, at first, I was okay with it, but the more I thought about it, if you're going to play 162 games, don't put half of the freaking league in the playoffs. That is so silly teams that win 78 games are going to be in the playoffs and there's just no way you can conceivably let that happen. Um, it's obvious why the owners want it. It's more money for them. It's kind of like preseason games in the NFL. There's really no upside for the fans or the players. It's, it's all owner greed. Uh, we'll see what Manfred and co ultimately land on. Yeah. And we'll probably spend an entire episode or at least half an episode during the off season on this, if we get news on it. So we'll leave it there for now. But I agree with your whole point about it was really to safeguard against a really good team being left out. And that's not going to happen this year. Um, you know, all the team, there are some surprises like you referenced, but you know, the big, big, big favorites coming into the year, your Yankees, your Astros, your twins, Dodgers, 
you know, Braves to some extent, those teams are all in. So it's not like a, nothing crazy happened here where they had to do that. But alas, here we are. Um, the other non uh, sort of on field topic from this week was the Braves announcing uh, organizational layoffs, or at least there was reported, and then there was confirmation by the Braves, both in the baseball ops department and for some non baseball employees. The Athletic reported, and I'm quoting here, at least 65 employees were laid off. That's a lot. The Braves did not confirm that number, but that was the report number by the Athletic. I'm going to read the statement the Braves put out, which is the part of this that. Um, drew the most ire, I think, for its lack of empathy in particular. And what really rubbed me the wrong way was the statement, because, you know, I'm not going to, you and I are not experts in this field. I'm not going to litigate, like, whether they had to do this or not. That's above my pay grade. But because the Braves are uh, sort of owned, well, not sort of owned, definitely owned by this faceless conglomerate, they don't really have the benefit of the doubt that some other teams might. Um, So here was the statement. I'm going to read it to you now. Uh, And here we go. The Atlanta Braves have completed a reorganization of full-time staff spread across all areas of the organization, including our baseball, business, real estate development, and minor league operations. We believe now is the right time to manage our business with greater efficiency, which has been accelerated due to the significant financial impact of COVID-19. We are grateful to those affected for their time spent with the Braves and believe, although it was a difficult decision, we are now optimized to manage through this period. End quote. So, Scott, I'm not going to make you do this if you don't want to, but my my thoughts are uh, the reference to greater efficiency and optimization are not going to sit well with anyone, nor should they. That's just ridiculous corporate speak. Um, and also, it's really not fun as a consumer. And, you know, we're, you know especially not myself. I've, I've covered games there. I'm not like a pure fan the way I once was. But someone who's following this team, the fact that they're talking about their real estate development in the statement is really just brutal in every way. I mean, I know every team wants to make a profit and all that stuff. Uh, This just really rubbed me the wrong way. It rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And honestly, this became a national story. You know, anytime an organization lays people off, it becomes a big story. But uh, there were national folks with no ties to Atlanta or the Braves uh, condemning them for the statement in particular. And I side with them on that. Is it a big deal in terms of baseball stuff? Maybe not. But these people obviously got laid off. That's really unfortunate for everyone involved. And uh, I just bumped on the statement more than anything else. I mean, you could certainly argue that they had to lay people off. I have no idea. And I would say they probably didn't considering how much money they rake in. But Mm. take take that off the table and uh, just maybe have some maybe have some empathy, maybe have some class in the way you're letting people go. I don't know. That's where I was. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It's unfortunate. Absolutely. You hope for these 65 plus employees who have lost their job, they're able to find work whether it's in baseball or in another field. Um, it really is unfortunate. I agree with you completely. The statement was horribly written. Um, it's like, yeah, hey, we let 65 people go, but the good news is our finances look better now. Well, Jesus Christ, you know, have a heart. Even if that's the real meat of the decision, you don't Ugh. need to put that in a release. I mean, that that's PR Effic- Efficiency and optimization uh, yep. when, when laying off dozens of people in a pandemic. Uh, right. not They're not them. robots. Yeah, these are not robots. They're humans. They have families. They have kids. They have bills to pay. Um, so, yeah, really awful the way it came across. I get it. We, you and I are not privy to the finances on the backside of this. If you have to make a decision, it's really unfortunate. But, again, it, it's not our business, right? But that statement is just a complete slap in the face to fans and especially the employees. You know, hey, you got to go. The good news is 
we'll be better off financially moving forward. I mean, at least at least our real at least our real estate development operation would be in good yeah. hands. Scott we can build another. That was the, uh, yeah. that was the big takeaway. <laughs> they can Kill build me. another movie theater down the street from SunTrust or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll leave that alone. But I wanted to make sure we got it in here. That was uh, it, it bothered me quite a bit. So. Yeah, I know the and by the way, the Liberty Media is publicly traded, so we can uh, someone smarter than me could dive into the numbers later on when they announce them. But uh, it's not it's not great. Okay, back to baseball real quickly. A couple news items, and then we'll get to a break. We'll talk about the games. Uh, Pablo Sandoval is now a member of the organization, not in the major leagues, but he was signed to a minor league deal after being cut. Pablo was, of course, a pretty famous player at one point, a 34 year old power hitting third baseman. He actually was okay last year. Um, 10% above league average at the plate. But other than that, he's been pretty darn bad for like a half decade now. So it's more of a flyer, it seems. And we talked about this before we started recording. I have not been able to discern, and I've done some research on this, whether Sandoval is even eligible for the playoff roster based on when he was added to the organization. If someone smarter than me can tell me that, that's fine. Uh, I'm going to tell you it probably doesn't matter anyway. I, I can't really envision a scenario in which the Braves would use Sandoval in the playoffs. It'd probably take two injuries, at least one, certainly, with Riley having to go down at some point in the next week. But uh, that happened, and uh, if he's eligible for the playoffs, you might want to consider him at some point. But again, he's not been very good recently. Yeah, I, I, I guess it was one of those... I mean, I wrote the article on Talking Chop about the signing, and really my takeaway was... It's truly one of those break in case of emergency deals, right? Austin Riley goes down. You're going to need somebody or God forbid, uh, you know, there's a, another injury to uh, anybody, <laughs> frankly, the way this lineup is going. Um, I'm with you. I, I don't really anticipate him ever appearing with the Braves. I, I think there's maybe a chance they, I, and as you said, I don't even know what the rules are this year with the roster being what it is. Um, I think it's, it's really just a, see if there's anything left. He was not good with the Giants, as you said. He was okay last year, um, but ultimately this is a really good roster top to bottom, and it's it's not a scenario like a couple years ago where the Braves were just trying to see if there was anything there. This is a team that just doesn't have open spots, especially 40-man roster spots at that. Um, so, yeah, I was a little surprised, but um, I think that was probably my general takeaway of Pablo Sandoval. Yeah, I, there's a, no downside here. I mean, minor league deal the cost is probably nil. Um, it's just one of those things that you do it if you can get a hold of them, I guess. Um, if you think there's anything left there, you might send them the alternate site, see what you got. But yeah, I, I tend to think that even if Riley had some sort of issue, got injured, they would just go to Camargo. I, I can't imagine them going to Pablo Sandoval cold, having not been in the organization at this point in the season. It's so late that uh, it'd be a surprise. But alas, he is now uh, in the fold to some degree. Also, Robbie Erling got D- got released after being DFA'd last week. No surprise there, but I wanted to at least note that he's no, he's no longer in the organization. And the Braves announced their spring training schedule beginning on February 27th, Scott. That seems ambitious to me, but alas. Let's hope, right? I, uh, trust <laughs> me, if, if they're able to have a real spring training in a couple months with fans and all that good stuff, all the better. Fingers crossed, as you said, a little optimistic, but hey, we can we can dream. Listen, mark, mark your calendars, and we'll hope that it's all uh, going to happen on schedule. Okay, we'll, t- we'll take a quick break now, and we'll come back with some game stuff, um, some Freddie Freeman MVP talk, and much, much more, so hold on tight. All right, Scott, we're back. Let's go through the games um, from this week. Uh, Monday was not fun. They got they got blasted. Uh, Tuki Toussaint was very bad, as was Luke Jackson. They lost 14-1. to The offense did very, very little other than Freddie. It was a game to forget is the way that I wrote down in our little doc here. Um, Tukey, I felt really bad. It was like hard to watch how bad he was on Monday. Um, and we are a pro, t- a pro Tukey podcast, but, uh, 
you know, it was one of those nightmarish games, but the only takeaway was that, you know, I think we'll probably see the last of Tukey in terms of a prominent role yeah. for this season anyway. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the future, but it was one of those nights where he probably lost any chance of, like, battling himself into a playoff roster spot. Yeah, yeah, it's not been a good year for Tukey. He had that one really encouraging start against the Blue Jays, and really, that's just kind of been his whole career to this point. Again, it's not like he's an old man by any means. He's in his mid-20s, but it just hasn't stuck. Uh, the breaking ball command was not there. It was a game, admittedly. I think I turned off when it was like nine to nothing. I said, you know what? I'll, I'll take a night off here. Um, but yeah, ugly game to say the least. And and thankfully they were able to bounce back the next night. Yeah, Tuesday they get a five-one win. Uh, another home run for Adam Duvall, who had another one later on. Adam Duvall is out of his mind in yep. September, uh, I believe. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Duvall. I think has 11, yep. yeah, 11 yeah, home 11 runs in September. Franchise record, I believe, for home runs in a month, which is just absurd. That was his 10th on Tuesday, Perfect. then he had another yeah. one on Saturday. Uh, just ridiculous stuff from him. But also, uh, I think almost a bigger takeaway is the uh, performance of Enoa, who was very good on Tuesday. Had to leave early with a back injury, I believe it was. But Snicker said earlier in the weekend that he appears healthy enough to maybe make another start in the uh, final week of the season. We'll see. He's not... Um, you know, it's he's not scheduled. Uh, well, no, he is scheduled. Sorry, he's scheduled for Monday. Um, so we'll see if he looks good there. I am, you know, candidly, I've been a little bit dismissive of, of him as a starting option. He is very talented, but if he looks like he did the other day on yeah. Monday, they might consider giving him like game four of a playoff series just because of how short they are and how uh, you know, he is at least a live arm in a way that some of the veterans are not. Yeah, no, I mean, on a pure stuff, we, we've talked about his starts in the past. On a pure stuff level, his stuff is as good as anybody's. I mean, yep. it's filthy when it's on. The problem is he loses command. Uh, he has not had the reps at the big league level to know how to attack big leaguers multiple times. Um, and as you said, maybe it's a playoff scenario, but in that scenario, I'd imagine it's a one-time-through kind of deal, if not like a one-inning kind of opener setup. So, um, again, it was it was really encouraging. Hopefully his back is cleared up and, and he has a big start uh, the biggest start of his life to be sure on, on, uh, tomorrow as of recording this, <laughs> yep. um, in a, in a series, the Braves need to win in order to lock up the division. Yeah. That could tell you a lot. I'm, and I'm not, I'm not saying personally that I think he has to start if he pitches well on Monday, but if he does, he will be in the thought process at the very least. Um, even if he doesn't, they might still have him in a, uh, relatively prominent role in one of those game four game five situations where they just don't have, a lot of other options, and at, at minimum, if, if if he's not starting, he, he might be able to go two or three innings for you in a high, in a uh, sort of long relief spot, or you you could pair him with uh, with Wright or Tomlin or whatever you want to do. We'll talk about that later on. But alas, um, Wednesday was marked by the return or the debut, I suppose, in Atlanta uniform with of Cole Hamels. He was not electric. He was not terrible. Uh, three and a third, three innings. Sorry, th- three and a third, three hits, one walk, three earned runs, two strikeouts. He looked okay, would be my my takeaway. I'm not a pitching expert by any means. I thought he looked competitive. I thought he looked kind of like Cole Hamels, which is nice. Um, but still a small sample size, still one start. He also is scheduled to pitch again this week on Tuesday. That will tell you more. We always knew it was going to be a pretty short outing in his first uh, look. But did you get a look at him? And if you did, what did you make yeah. of what we saw from Hamels? Yeah, as you said, he was just okay. And, and that was really his first competitive uh, per- Pitching performance in a year, I mean, really is what it is since he's faced live hitting. I know he threw a couple bullpens at the at the satellite site, but um, 
Yeah, he was okay. The stuff wasn't great. He he was bailed out. Uh, Marcelo Zuna made a great catch at the wall that robbed a home run, so his line could have been even worse than it was. Um, again, I don't think anyone expected him to go out there and and strike out 10 batters, but because Hamels is going to be counted on, at least we think so, for the playoffs, um, it, it was really just kind of a taste of what he can do. I think these next starts, I, I believe he's going to have a chance to make two starts before the playoffs begin. Um this start on, I believe it's Tuesday, he's lined up for is is far more important to me. That's a game where you want to see him go at least five innings, hopefully throw 80 or 90 pitches, and the stuff be a little bit crisper. I think everything except for the changeup was okay. The changeup was up in the zone a bit, and of course the Orioles took advantage. Um, but again, it, it's his first start in really a calendar year. I think you have to know that there's going to be some rust, and he wouldn't be as sharp as he normally would be. Yeah, and you know... It'll be interesting to see if they actually have him pitch uh, a full thing again. I think Tuesday he's going to pitch his full start. Um, but if it's all wrapped up for the Braves, do you want Cole Hamels to go out and throw again on Sunday or Saturday? I'm not mm. sure you do that. Because, I mean, on one hand, you want him to get more work. On the other hand, he's an old man who might want to be fresh for the playoffs. I don't know. Really yeah. I, I, I'm honestly asking. I don't know the answer to that question. They might want to just like have him st- keep him on schedule, have him pitch a little bit because he's got to get stretched out, all that stuff. But um, if he looks okay this week, I still anticipate him getting a playoff start if they need him because uh, you know Bryce Sticker is going to is definitely going to defer to a veteran. They've invested in him. He has the pedigree, all that stuff. So maybe not. Um, I don't know. It's too early to talk about this, but if he looks okay on Tuesday, does he get game three in the first round series if they need him? I don't know. Hmm. I mean, they might um, they might lean on him because he's a veteran and he's Cole Hamels and he's got pedigree. Yep. And I wouldn't argue with that. I think you definitely want to have somebody, somebody, somebody behind him ready to go. But uh, yeah, yep. you certainly can't tell me definitively that you'd rather have anybody other than Max Fried. I know Anderson obviously has a, has a higher ceiling right now with what he looks, but game three, uh, yeah, I think it might be Hamels. <laughs> yeah, I think to answer your question about do you throw him out there a second time, I think it depends on really two things. What does he look like on Tuesday night? And again, you don't want to put everything into one start when he's going to throw 80 or 90 pitches. But I think Tuesday starts going to be very important. And then uh, I'm jumping ahead on the Google Doc notes here. But go ahead. Uh, what what Kyle Wright looks like. He's had yep. a couple of really good starts back. to back. I mean, legitimately good. He was fantastic on Sunday against yes, the good was. Mets lineup. Um, if Wright goes out there on, on Wednesday or Thursday, whatever day he's set to throw again and looks like he did today, I don't know. Maybe they have found another starter in Hamill's uh, changes role. So, again, it's all very speculative, but um, I guess it's not the worst, if you want to call it a problem to have, who's going to pitch, because I think there's still some very big question marks about this team in a short series when pitching is going to be at a premium. Um, but hopefully Cole is able to have a good start and uh, build off of that first start in Baltimore. Honestly, they need to spend this entire week, and we'll talk about the stains in a second, but provided that they hold serve and win the division as they are wildly favored to do at this moment in time, mm-hmm. the whole goal of this week is to make a plan for for the following week. Yeah. Uh, and we all, we, we obviously know that Max Freed, you want to line him up for game one of a playoff series. We know this. Um, anything beyond that, though, there's the strategy of this three-game series. Um, followed by you're hoping a longer series, but you can't plan on that just yet. Um, but you you got to have a plan for at least four guys you can start in a playoff game. Yeah, maybe five because I mean even if even if you line up Freed perfectly, you win the first round series and he goes in game one of the NLDS, he'd have to go on short rest in game five 
So like, it's not even a lock that you can have free pitch twice in a, in a, in a five game playoff series with the way this is now scheduled. So yeah. at, at a minimum, you got to have four, you might want to have five, which means obviously freed Anderson, uh, maybe Kyle Wright, maybe Cole Hamels. I don't know what the fifth guy is going to be. Uh, lots of questions about what they're, yeah. what they might do here. Um, you know, will be in the mix. Um, Josh Tomlin is in the mix. I don't know what they're going to do, but we'll see. Uh, it's just interesting to me that they have this, uh, I mean, it's, it's good. They have this lead that you're hoping to maintain, Sure. but, uh, that's the whole goal this whole week, in my opinion, uh, short of just obviously wrap the division up. But beyond that, you're planning for next week. And, uh, you know, other than freed, you don't have a lot of certainty. There is some yeah. flexibility. I think there's not a whole lot that Anderson could do to not make a playoff start, in my opinion, at this point in time. If he was just terrible on his next start, maybe not. But even then, I think that might go to him anyway. Yeah, and and again, it's it's an interesting uh, debate, right? Because the last two years, the Braves have clinched the division about a week to ten days before the season ended. And they went into the NLDS flat. I truly believe that. The the lineup was not in sync. The pitching was kind of off. Um, this year, they are going to, in theory, with the magic number being, I believe, five, if my research and quick math is correct, you know, th- there's going to be a scenario here where they may not be able to, as you said, kind of lock in and prep for the first round of the playoffs, assuming they win the division, until next weekend. And I think that's just kind of different from what they've had. Hopefully it they're still able to kind of line things up. Again, we don't know who the opponent is going to be. That might also impact what kind of uh, pitcher they go with in these starts. If it's a team that really hits lefties, maybe you don't throw Cole Hamels out there. If it's a team that's really lefty heavy, then I think you absolutely use Hamels uh, and try to attack them that way. So again, a lot of things, a lot of storylines this final week, as there always are. Um, but it is a little bit of a contrast because I believe the last two years, a week out from the final day of the season, the Braves had already clinched the division and they kind of went on autopilot and, and whether or not you think that impacted the first round of the playoffs or not is probably up for debate, but ultimately um, you hope they are able to go in with a little bit of momentum, you know, playing well compared to uh, having a poor final week here. For sure. And uh, we will obviously spend a lot of time next week talking about their opponent and strategy and all that stuff. But want to look ahead a little bit with regard to that. Um, just wrapping up the weekend real quickly, Friday free came back, looked, looked pretty good. Uh, they won by a million runs, 15 to two. I was 12, 12, by the fourth. They had six home runs on Friday, uh, two for Ozzy, by the way, good to see Ozzy getting, uh, getting in, into the act a little bit on Friday. Saturday was less fun. Anderson was not great. Did have, did have eight strikeouts. Um, they unveiled a new lineup on Saturday that I wanted to ask you about. Brian Snicker said that he, uh, sort of had like a vision of a lineup or something like that, rolling out of bed. Did you see this quote? Uh, I'm, I, I'm about to write it down and I forgot. But he said he he said he, uh, he woke up thinking about a, this lineup and scribbled it on like a room service receipt or something. It was it was incredible. I can't remember who tweeted that. I think it was DOB or something like that, but it was very funny. But uh, anyway, the lineup against left-handed pitching was Acuna, Freddie, Ozuna, Darno, Duvall, Ozzy up to six after he was hitting ninth for a while, Swanson seven, Riley eight and flowers nine. Um, I was on board with this. I think Ozzy hitting ninth is a little bit aggressive, especially against lefties. He should be hitting much higher than ninth because he's very good against lefties. But uh, I liked this. I didn't have any problem with it whatsoever. It's, it's, it's against lefty. The process is funny and that Snicker just had to had, had this premonition, but uh, it ended up being something that I enjoyed. And uh, yeah. I wanted to see what you thought, because obviously the lineup construction stuff is can be overdone. We're guilty of that. Um, I've I'm so happy that they're doing the Acuna Freddy Ozuna thing one two three. That's that's the move. They should keep they should keep that. But other than that, uh, I don't have firm convictions. Yeah. But I was it was good to see them sort of 
getting more comfortable with Ozzy. Dansby's been pretty bad. Oh, I should say this before I let you answer. Yeah. Uh, for all of the scalding hot stuff we talked about with Freddie and Ozuna and uh, lately Duvall and Darno, uh, Markakis and Swanson are uh, a mess at the moment. Uh, Markakis is 7 and 54 with four mm-hmm. walks in September. Yeah. That is a sub 400 OPS. That is very, very bad. Uh, Swanson is two of his last 37 with four walks. Mm. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure you can panic. Those guys have both been a little bit streaky in their lives, at least recently. Marquecas, especially fading late in seasons recently, and Swanson's always been up and down. But uh, two guys to circle, I would I would definitely say, over the last week of the season. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, I, I think it's kind of been Dansby's MO his whole career. He has stretches where he doesn't make an out, and then he has stretches where he can't hit the ball. And right now, he's on the downslide of that. You hope that just like last year, he has a really strong playoff. He's going to round into form here. But um, the good news about the lineup, to answer your original point, right now, I think the top is clear. I absolutely love Ronnie and, and Freddie at the top. I mean, yep. dear God, what a nightmare for pitchers. <laughs> and, and even and even if it is a little quote-unquote unconventional and what's unconventional in 2020, um the second and third and fourth times through. I mean, what an advantage for the Braves to have those guys at the top. Ozuna, Darno, three, four, great. Duvall, as long as he keeps hitting, uh, you're going to keep him five. The good news is I think you can realistically play around with anybody after that fifth spot. If, if Ozzy's playing well, you move him up. If, if Dansby starts to hit or Riley, who's also cooled down a little bit, um, you know, you have flexibility. If, if someone's struggling, you drop them down to ninth. Um, it's not, it's never a bad thing to have a lot of good hitters. Um, you hope that Ozzy, as you said, it's a great sign that Ozzy is doing well after that wrist injury. I was really genuinely concerned about that, but he's been great. Hopefully Dansby and Riley pick it up. Um, you know, if Tyler flowers is the ninth hitter in your lineup, that is absolutely absurd, uh, because the guys, the eight guys in front of him are really, really good. Yeah, and obviously they went to Ozuna in the outfield, um, I think, to keep Darno in the lineup because he's been so good. I'm okay with that. I think that's actually inter- very interesting to see what they do against the lefty in the playoffs um, because, you know, this is not breaking ground for us, but both Marquecas and Enziarte and, and are not good against left-handed pitching, which leaves you someone that leaves you with a spot to fill. Um, they don't want to play Ozuna in the outfield, but with the way that Darno is hitting, uh, it's not crazy to have him DH in the way that he did in that game. So, uh, yeah, just circle that. I, I will be interested to see how Snicker handles left-handed starters in the playoffs because that is their best nine in terms of at the plate against a lefty. It's just whether he wants to, to have Ozuna in the outfield and have um, Darno or even Flowers DHing. I'm not sure he will, but we'll see. Uh, two bullpen notes real quickly. Uh, Shane Green was incredible until Saturday. He had a 1.14 ERA for the season. He had not allowed a home run the entire year. Saturday, he allowed four runs, two homers, and his ERA jumped by a run and a half in one, in one start. Granted, <laughs> it's, a, it's a small sample size. It's still crazy, but yeah. uh, I'm not worried about Shane Green, but he was, uh, that was a bad one. And then Will Smith got two big outs today. You mentioned this too, but he's been very uh, pretty good lately. Uh, we were not uh, sounding the alarm on him recently, but we did talk about how he had been struggling. I was not panicking. I'm still not panicking, but it's good to see him looking better. Yeah. Yeah. The Shane Green thing, it was inevitable. He was going to come back to earth a little bit. He's still been fantastic this year. He had a bad night. And he, to be honest, the two balls that he gave up home runs on, um, they were hit hard, but I couldn't believe, I mean, I thought the Dom Smith home run was like a, a single in the gap. Oh yeah. That, that guy, that, um, off the bat on the video, I will back you up on her percent. I was, yeah. uh, I was, I was watching, 
um, not super intently because I was covering a basketball game in the moment. Um, and I looked up and I was like, that can't be gone. Like I saw, yeah. and it was the replay. It was the replay. I, I was like, wait, that, that ball left the yard. I, so I knew, I knew it was gone. And yeah. they showed it. I'm thinking, there's no way. And then, oh, that actually got over the fence. Yeah. Interesting. One of the, that might have been one of the uh, leftover 2019 baseballs. There's still been a lot of homers this year, but not quite at the same rate. So, um, And then Cano's was not exactly an upper deck shot either. It was kind of a, a wall you know, just scraped over the top of the fence. So, again, not concerned about Green. He's been awesome this year. And, again, Will Smith, I think he's been behind the eight ball really all year because of the COVID. Uh, he was delayed. Um, he has not been as sharp, but the last four times he's come into the game, he's been much sharper. He's starting to get a few more strikeouts, a big double play today. Um, so, yeah, if you can get Will Smith even close to the guy he was, that is a gigantic weapon to use in your bullpen. Even though righties have hit him pretty good this year, I think if you still have him as a lefty specialist, that is outstanding as far as lefty specialists go. And hopefully over this last week, he's able to keep rounding into form and, and they're able to go to him whenever they need to. Strong agree, and uh, the bullpen is not a worry for me at all, so we'll see if that holds. Okay, something we should we should do now before we get out of here is something that we should talk about more, and that's my fault, but Freddie Freeman uh, and his MVP candidacy have been, I think, the number one topic in Braves country this week. Um, we have talked before on the show recently about how incredible Freddie has been, but at the same time, uh, I think it became another level this week or last 10 days about the MVP conversation to the point where he is certainly a co-favorite, if not the favorite at the moment. He entered today leading the National League among qualified players in the following categories. This is a lot of categories. Batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, WRC plus offensive war doubles RBI OPS plus extra base hits and times on base. He was also second coming into today in walks, total bases and hits. Um, his slash line, including today is 346, 454, 634 with a 185 WRC plus. Now, as we record this on Sunday evening, um, there's still baseball happening. The Padres are still playing and they have two prominent contenders for the NL MVP, but at this very moment, Freddie is in a tie with Fernando Tatis Jr. in Fangraph's war. Uh, Mookie Betts actually leads in baseball reference war, which is strange because he's actually fourth in Fangraph's, but at the very, very least, Freddie has been the best hitter in the National League this season, full stop. Um, that is not even, that's not up for debate. All the numbers are in his favor. Um, the only the only debates, uh, the only debate against Freddie is that both Tatis and Machado and Betts are more valuable defensive players at more premium positions defensively. But at the plate, he has been the most valuable player, most, most valuable hitter, I should say, in the National League, full stop. I'll stop there because um, there's stuff we can get into about like his COVID recovery and the fact he had a slow start. By the way, Freddie Freeman was slashing 200, 333, 380 through 15 games. That's a quarter of the season, mm-hmm. Scott. And he had a slash line of uh, a slash line that was like thoroughly unimpressive after his COVID return, which just tells you how absurd he has been since then. Yeah. No, I mean, really, it it's an incredible story, as you said. A fourth of his season was slowed. Um, and again, when you talk about Freddie Freeman, I think he's just such a quiet. I mean, everyone in Atlanta knows of his brilliance, but around the league, I think he's pretty consistently referred to as like the most underrated player in baseball, which is funny considering how many people say that um he absolutely deserves mvp as you said i think this past week it's really kind of ramped up it helps that he is just hitting just an insane level over the last couple of weeks um the offensive numbers speak for themselves and if if you're looking to the voting and i always worry a little bit about voting because 
there are always some questionable ballots out there, regardless of sport. Um, I do think it's almost working in his advantage that his primary competition, uh, Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado, are on the same team out in San Diego. That and then Mookie, and then Mookie Betts, who is an hour and a half up the road in L.A., um, though you kind of think those three might kind of split up the vote a little bit. Um, whether or not, as you said, offensively, Freddie is by far the MVP. If you want to give a little more credit to uh, Tatis because he's a shortstop, Machado at third, Mookie Betts, who's been playing the outfield and second base. Um, Which is crazy, by the way, that Betts is playing second base again. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I know, I know I can already hear Braves fans yelling about how Freddie is a good defender at first base. I'm not saying otherwise. Uh, his defensive metrics have been controversial in the past. At the very least, I will tell you that it is less valuable to have Freddie Freeman in the field than any of the three guys. That's not a shot at Freddie. It's not. It's, he's a first. He's, he's a he's a first baseman. It's just the way it is. So the defensive metrics are not treating him as a big plus, if a plus at all. And the other the other three guys, especially Tatis and Machado, are getting bumps for defense. So that's going to matter, I think, in some respects. But I'm with you. The voting is interesting too because it all, it usually helps a guy to finish strong after a slow start. You know, the cumulative numbers are still the most important thing usually, but the narrative always helps. And also peaking late probably helps. And both of the things are happening with Freddie. He has the, he has the COVID recovery. He has a team that's in first place. Uh, mm-hmm. Granted the Padres and Dodgers are very good too, but he's the only guy on the team that's an MVP candidate. Unlike the Padres guys, like you said, I don't know. He's kind of been really good for a long time has never won one. I do think a couple weeks ago, Tatis seemed like a pretty clear favorite. And if you polled yeah. everyone, he was that guy. But he's slowed down and left the door open, and Freddie's kind of run through it. This is a scenario, though, where with a week to go, it's going to matter what he does late. Uh, he walked, I believe, three times today, but didn't uh, do anything beyond that. Still, by the way, still uh, had, a good, had a good game by all, by all accounts with, with three walks. But uh, he's going to have to keep the pedal down. I do think that if Freddie went you know, over his next 15 – that would actually hurt him in a way that it probably shouldn't, but in a, in a shortened season, it would yeah. matter. Um, we're still a week to go, but I, I don't know. I think he probably would win. If the voting happened today, you know, it's, we're all kind of guessing, but reading the tea leaves, I know Tyler Kepner of the, of the New York Times said he would vote for, he would vote for Freeman uh, yesterday if it was uh, the end of the season. He's a prominent voter. Um, I don't know. I think Freddie would win. It would be close. I, I'm not convinced yeah. he would win by any means. I would not bet on him winning, but if you made <laughs> me choose someone to actually win – I think it would be Freddie based on all the numbers. I think he has the best case, but you know, anytime the war splits are different too, like bets leading in baseball reference war and being fourth in Fangraphs war is uh, a factor. Cause I don't know who, I don't, I don't, I don't know which voters use, use what there's some voters that use uh, none of that as evidenced by some <laughs> of the in the and, past, yeah, but uh, you know, honestly, Freddie having Freddie, Freddie leading the league in numbers like RBIs, probably helps him it probably shouldn't in that particular category but it does um slugging uh, his he's not leading the home runs that's the only thing that might hurt him is that he has the lowest home run total again that's kind of absurd but just going on what voters tend to do sometimes he's he does not have a league leading home run total i don't know how much that matters i hope he wins i'll just say that the Braves have not had a, a the Braves have not had an mvp since chipper in 99 uh i was old enough to know about i mean i was 13 it was not it was not that long ago but that's 20 years plus. Uh, it was Pendleton before that 91. Dale Murphy won it twice in the 80s. But uh, basically for the whole run here of, uh, you know, the post-ridiculous Maddox team Braves, uh, they've not had an MVP. And Freddie is probably the best player over that time span. Like post-chipper, he is the best player. So yeah. 
it, it, would, it would sort of be uh, fitting if he finally got one. It would be a shortened season, and I get all that, but uh, it still counts the same. Absolutely, and as you said, he's been so good for so long. It would be nice for Freddie to receive some national recognition. He's a guy who very much just puts his head down and goes out and crushes baseballs and has done so for nearly a decade now. But um, hopefully, uh, first and foremost, stay healthy. And yep. this final week, as we know, last year was such an unfortunate end of the year. Um, but stay healthy, be productive, and finish strong. And, and I'm with you. I think if it was over tonight, I think Freddie would be the MVP. But again, there is another week to go, and storylines happen, et cetera, et cetera. In a 60-game season, uh, one week is actually a lot. So <laughs> there's a lot to uh, unfold in that race. Just for the record, Freddie has yeah. finished 5th, 6th, 4th, and 8th in the MVP voting already in his career. So that's four top eight. Um, that's pretty good, actually. Also, he was 23rd in 20, 2014. He got a vote, I think, maybe one vote and finished 23rd. But a uh, you know a quartet of top eight uh, top eight finishes this year. There's no way he's finishing lower than third, I would imagine. Uh, so we'll see where he lands. But shouts to Freddie. I want to do a little bit on that. And uh, we'll obviously, I think, maybe not for this long, but we'll take a little bit of stock on our next episode just to see if he uh, ran away or tailed off, etc. Okay, last thing, uh, the current standings as they are at the moment, um, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm looking to see if the game went final. Yeah, they did. So, the Braves now, after a couple of results, have a three-game lead on the Marlins and a four-game lead on the Phillies in the National League East. Today was a pivotal day, a potentially pivotal day, in that the uh, Marlins had two games, I believe, and the Braves, of course, got a win, etc., uh, it could have gone very wrong for the Braves today if they had lost and there was a sweep or something like that. But now they're in really, really good shape. I'm looking right now, 538 currently projects the Braves, uh, I believe, with like 95% or so mm-hmm. odds to win the division. So it's not over, but the magic number is pretty darn low, especially when you factor in all the weirdness and tiebreakers and all that stuff. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, good shape. Not, not, not official yet. If the Braves go out and lose every game this week, then they could certainly be overtaken. But um, as long as they don't yeah. do that... We think we know the Braves will be the, I mean, probably the two seed. We'll see. Yeah, depends on the Cubs. Um, that's really kind of the, the battle is between the Cubs. And we talked a couple of weeks ago, just looking at the bracket, you want, and the Braves are in good shape to do this, but you just don't want to be in that top half of the bracket because the more than likely it's going to be the Dodgers. Just the one avoid seed. the Dodgers. Yep. yep. And, and the Padres. And too. the Padres. I mean, yep. the Padres rotation is really step forward and that lineup is statistically just as good as the Braves has been um, to avoid those two and make them play in the NLDS. I mean, again, the Cubs are no pushover. Who knows how it'll all play out, but uh, 10 times out of 10, I would take the Cubs or even, even last year, notwithstanding the Cardinals or anybody, or anybody else. I mean, anybody else. Exactly. If you look at the standings uh, in all of baseball, the Dodgers are clearly number one in run differential and record. They're ridiculous. Um, but the, the Padres actually have the second best run differential in baseball. Uh, so you could certainly argue, and I think I probably would, that the Padres are the second best team um, on paper, and that's going to anger some Braves fans. But the Padres post-Clevenger trade like are really pretty loaded. Um, the Braves are obviously not far off, and they could be right there. And if you argued that they're better than the Padres, I would that's fine with me. But I think, honestly, they might be two and three. Maybe the Rays would be in there as well. Yeah. Um, but the teams in the Nat- and the American League that we thought might be incredible this year, like the Yankees and the Astros, have not been. They're still talented teams, but it's been the Rays um, and the White Sox, actually, which is surprising, in the American League. But yeah, it's the Dodgers and everybody else, I think, but even then, uh, avoiding them is the biggest uh, domino. I would yeah. say this, 
and I'll probably we'll do some predictions next week, but I'm thinking someone is going to lose in that three game series that shouldn't lose. I'm hoping oh, sure. it's not the Braves, but the math would tell you in that kind of short series that someone is going to get upset, whether it's the Dodgers, whether it's the Padres, whether it's the Rays, someone's going to lose in that in that first round. That's not like me being a, a hot take artist. It's just if you do the yep. math, the likelihood is that you will not have chalk in a three in a set of three game baseball series. Yep. No, I mean it's absolutely possible. Let's say it's the Dodgers and the Phillies in the first round. Uh, the Phillies are going to throw Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler in games one and two. You're telling me with that lineup, they couldn't. And again, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but absolutely. <laughs> you're right. The Dodgers yep. could also just dog walk them for two days and just, you know, have that's no also in play. I mean, uh, no one's saying that we're going to pick against the Dodgers, but sure. Again, this is this is back to our original point at the beginning of the podcast. This is this is the problem with expanded playoffs, especially in a three game mm-hmm. series, is that the best team can lose to the worst team. I mean, if you if you throw the Dodgers in a playoff series against the Pirates, the Pirates are dreadful in every way. But if you have those teams play a three game series, the Pirates win like ten percent of the time. Like, it's not likely that they win, but <laughs> yeah. it's it's baseball. I mean, baseball is a it's inherently a game that needs to be a small, a large, a large sample size that can't happen in the playoffs. But I mean, I promise you that if, if the, if the Dodgers played the worst team in the league, which is the pirates, the pirates would win sometimes in a three game series. It's just the way that mm-hmm. that all goes. If it was yeah. a 17 game series, they wouldn't win. But in a three game series, anything can happen in a three game series. And that's like a cliche at this point, but it really happens to be true. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope it doesn't. Let's hope the Braves aren't that example we're talking about. Uh, this. Let's, let's let's hope not. Uh, we let's will avoid. look to avoid that. Yes, we will knock on wood and all that stuff. Uh, this week we talked about this week a lot already, but uh, the Braves have four at home with Miami, and then three at home with Boston. And Boston is not good at baseball this year, which helps. Um, the Braves have, have have now played their final road game this season because the playoffs they can't go on the road. They can they're going to be going to neutral sites, but they're going to be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, either at home or in, or in Texas in a neutral site the rest of the way, unless they actually implode um, this week, but they won't do that. Knock on wood. So yeah, four at home Miami, three at home Boston. Uh, we said this before, but you know on Monday, Hamels Tuesday, uh, a big fat TBD on Wednesday, and then Freed on Thursday is what Snicker said earlier today. Um, we'll see on Anderson and Wright, maybe Friday and Saturday. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but it'll be fluid, I would guess. But uh, any thoughts for the, on the upcoming week that we have not already shared? No, let's let's take care of the Marlins nice and early. I don't want this to have to go into like Saturday or Sunday, God forbid, in order to wrap up the division. Uh, really, I think you, you have four games with the Marlins. Even if you take two of them, you're probably wrapping up the season there. Um, it, I guess it's not mathematically impossible, but the Marlins do have to play the Yankees next weekend, whereas the Braves are hosting the Red Sox, just looking ahead a little bit. So uh, take care of the Marlins. They've been pesky all year. They're a team that has some strong starting pitching. They're going to see Sixto Sanchez again. Um, don't let this linger. Give your, you know, we kind of talked about the positives and negatives. Give yourself the, at least the opportunity to rest guys and align things how you want. Don't let uh, the need to play a couple of important games that final weekend throw off what should be a, a position for you to line up your team pretty well for the, the wild card around. Yep. Uh, take your business week. I, I totally agree. If you come out and just win the first two games, it kind of just is over at that point. So go ahead and do that. That'd be nice. Uh, all right, Scott, we've done plenty on today's show. Our tentative plan, and again, I say tentative plan, we'll have at least one podcast between the end of the regular season and the start of the postseason. As I said before, the uh, the first game of the best of three in the National League is not going to be until the 30th, 
which I believe is Wednesday. Look at this right. Um, so yeah, th- th- there'll be a little bit of time in between the final game of the regular season on Sunday and the, uh, uh, I'm not even sure how to, how to describe that series. The best of threes. Well, I'll just keep calling it that. Cause it's not the NLDS. It's the yeah. series before the NLDS. Um, but we'll have at least one, maybe two episodes between Sunday night and Wednesday. Uh, and yeah, we're planning to have a nightly recap as we have in the past, hopefully for more games than we have in the past. <laughs> Cause in the last couple uh, last year we did we started doing this and uh, I liked doing it except for the results. So this time, hopefully a longer run, but that's the plan for the podcast. If you are not subscribed to the show, go ahead and do that right, right now. Thank you so much for listening as always, but Scott, any, any final thoughts? And if not, anything that you have going on on the site or writing or no. tweeting or the Colts or the blues are out of the blues are out of it finally. And uh, what, what else uh. is on sports? I don't know. Happy to have sports back. I don't know. I mean, I, I know. Actually, I do know for you that you're thrilled to have all these sports back. Um, I like sports, the days, yes. The days when we have kind of the all four of them going on are pretty incredible, um, considering the, the many months we spent suffering without anything. Um, but yeah, no, thanks to everybody for listening. Tell a friend. Should have a lot of good content the next couple weeks, hopefully even longer than that, if our Braves decide to uh, win a playoff series or maybe two or three or four. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, but yeah, thanks, everybody. Be. And uh, hope everyone's doing all right. Yep, absolutely. Uh, please subscribe to the show again, and we'll see everybody at the very, very latest next week.